The message you're about to hear is from the stable of the Capstone Church Without Walls. Good evening, everyone. And um, clearly, it's getting clearer that we are nearing that moment where the phase of this, the this phase of the Capstone Church is about to close, and God's about to take us into the next phase of the Capstone Church. I feel very blessed that uh, we are traveling this journey together, you and myself, and I know that the Holy Ghost who has begun a good work in us, He will finish it in Jesus' name. All right, so I'm going to continue to teach. Uh, this moment on uh, the various dimensions of the kingdom of God, and uh, tonight I want to, I want to, I want us to look at what I call, let me say, let me say, the six reasons why Jesus came. And the six reasons why Jesus came. Incidentally, we're going to be looking at um, still the book of Daniel, and I'm excited at what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of <coughs> believers in this place. And I'll start by what someone. What someone uh, sent to me as a question Someone here in the church Asked me this question in the course of the week And I was very excited to I mean to provide insight As the Holy Spirit continued to, to teach us Praise the Lord But let me before I go on Let me <clears throat> start by saying yes Again I said I'm talking about six reasons why Jesus came uh, What you could say If you like you could call it What the cross of Jesus What the cross of Christ did for us What the cross of Christ did Amen what the cross of Christ did. Uh, we have spoken extensively, extensively severally about end time prophecy concerning what the destiny of the church is at the time of Gentile kingdoms. <coughs> and uh, for the last three, four weeks, we were looking seriously at the time of the Gentile kingdoms in the days of Daniel. And we looked at the things that God showed Daniel, the visions that God showed Daniel, and the implication of those, of those visions or those dreams on our day, our 21st century day. About the church, the destiny of the church And so we continue to look at Daniel But I want to look at it from the point of Christ What Christ did for us And how this was captured again by Daniel In the book of Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 to 27 The book of Daniel chapter 9 from verse 24 to 27 If the Holy Ghost allows me I will also look at the book of Second Chronicles with us Chapter 36 and verse 20, 21 And then also the book of Ezra 1 verse 1 to 3 but let's first of all look at the book of Daniel, chapter, chapter 9, verse 24. Now, I don't want any of these words to throw you, because that's the reason why we are here, to study, to study around God's word, so that we can get insight and understanding, because that's what the Holy Ghost really wants us to do. God wants a church that is um, aware, aware of his purpose, a church that is able to discern. We want, we want to be, we, want, we believe in the Lord, and the Capstone Church will, be, will become not just a group of people, who just, uh, well, we fall in love with Jesus and with the word of God. But we really want to have insight. We want God to grant unto us the spirit of revelation. Amen. Because that's what we pray. We pray that God will grant to us the spirit of what? Revelation in the knowledge of him. So, one of the reasons why I keep teaching, I've been teaching this from the book of Daniel, is because I believe that God wants to unbond in our heart a revelation of Jesus through the book of Daniel. And so, in the book of Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, it says... Again, Daniel has seen a lot of vision, and an angel, Gabriel, was now interpreting the vision to him. <clears throat> and it says, 77s. Now, let me, let's, let me break it down a little bit. 77s means what? 17, do we agree that it means 17 seven places? So, what is 17 seven places? 490. I want you to keep your mathematics radar up, okay? Because <laughs> we're about to look at figures in the book of Daniel. So it says, 77s are decreed for your people. 
That's 490 years. I decree for your people. And your holy city to finish transgression. I want you to very to understand. I'm going to bring out six things from this simple scripture, verse of scripture, about the dimensions of Christ and the power of the resurrection, the, the implication of the death of Christ to me, to you, and also to the world. So the scripture says, 77 I decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. I need to say, before I rush off that scripture, that <clears throat> the word to anoint the most holy is the word where we got the, the, word, the, the, the word Messiah from. It's a word in the Hebrew that is used to describe the anointed one or the anointing. And uh, Christ is the anointed one, Christ the anointing, and is called the Messiah. The Messiah is a derivative from the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah means the Christ. And for those of you who have listened to me a little bit, you hear me talk about the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. And I always say these things like this, jocularly, but it's very true, that Christ is not the surname of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and that means it's not, that means it's not just a placeholder. Christ is anointed. Is the anointed. It means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. Okay, in Hebrew. It means the one who is the Messiah. And when you try to understand a little bit further the principle of the word Messiah, or let me use the word Messiah, which we understand, it will reflect to you three levels of anointings. The Messiah means the anointing and the anointing manifested in three ways. The anointing manifested as king, the anointing manifested as prophet, the anointing manifested as priest. That's why Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the only one individual, and let me talk about Christ tonight because that's what we want to talk about. Jesus is the only individual in full man who carried the three anointings. He was prophet, he was priest, and he was king all in one. The most people had been powerful anointed had been they had either served as kings in times of in, in the form of David was a very good king, or they are served as prophet people like Isaiah, amazing prophet, or Samuel, amazing priest. But you never see the combination of the three anointings in one single person. Only Christ had a measureless level of the anointing. That's why it's called the Messiah. That's why it's called the Messiah. That's why it's called prophet, king, and priest. And that is what, now, we need to understand that that's what Jesus Christ did for us. He, he is the one who in him was carried and residual, the prophetic, the kingly, and the priesthood. That's why when you get into full understanding of the Christ, and I keep talking about the Christ, that we need to have a revelation of the Christ, then we will know that we can operate in the prophetic. We can operate in kingdom power, and we can operate as priests of God. You see, all these three anointings are made possible for the individual believer because the Messiah, or the Christ, is inside you. That's why for the Christ, for the believer, okay, our focus is more to walk in these three anointings. As a matter of fact, let me, say, let me put it this way. When we fail to walk in these three anointings, then we relegate the word of Christ to the background. So every believer that has been washed clean by the blood of Jesus ought to walk in the anointing, in the Christos, in the Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. And what does the Christ show us? Three, three, three anointings. Let's go again. One, one. Prophet. Prophet. 
That's why we say that every believer should be able to should be prophetic. You should be able to pick the mind of the spirit and know what is happening and be discerning. It is your covenant right in Christ. Any true person who is believer who is a believer in Christ has a covenant right in Christ, in the Christos, in the anointing, in the Messiah, to be very discerning, to never be caught by surprise by whatever is going on in the world. Because in the Christ Jesus that came inside you and lived in you by the Holy Spirit, you can prophesy, you can be prophetic, you can walk in the prophetic grace to know things, to discern things, to have revelation of what is about to happen. Praise God. It is your covenant right. Someone says my covenant right. All right. So apart from that, from the prophetic gifting and from prophetic anointing, okay. Now I, that that doesn't. Mean, I'm not saying that you are a prophet. Okay, but I'm saying that you are prophetic. You have a capacity of Christ to be able to pick prophetic words, to be able to be, to be discerning. Now, there are some people who actually have a calling to the office of prophets. Praise God. Now, let me make it even a little bit easier for you. Every believer is made by God to be pastoral. What does it mean to be pastoral? You're supposed to love your brethren. Amen. Hallelujah. You love, you forgive. Is that correct? That's how love is manifested. Now, you may not be a fivefold ministry office of a pastor, but every believer is designed by Christ to be pastoral, to love. It's a general thing. You love one another. Praise God. That's a very pastoral thing. You watch out for one another. You, you tend to one another. You try to you look out for the good of the other person, which is a pastoral spirit, a pastoral anointing in Christ. Okay? So also it is for prophetic. You may not be a full-fledged fivefold ministry prophet, but you are designed by God. You have a little bit, tiny, winny part of the anointing of the Christ to be able to discern things to come, see things to come, be sensitive enough to know what is happening or what's about to happen in days to come. That is your covenant right as a child of God. Nobody should take that away from you. In fact, when you pray more, when you spend more time in prayer, that's what I was talking about, when you spend time with God in the presence of God, then you pick these things up. You grow. You grow your revelation of Christ. You grow your revelation of what God wants you to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Like the Holy Ghost can say to you, go and talk to this person. Like the Holy Ghost spoke to Philip, go and talk to that guy. He said, and he went and spoke to him only for him to discover that that person needs Christ. The Ethiopian Enoch, the book of Acts chapter 8. You know the story. Praise the name of Jesus. So, it, you, so you, you, you learn to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That is the prophetic grace of Christ in you. Amen. And you should enjoy that. It will save you a lot. Of trouble if you put your if you, if you put your 10, 10, 10 years 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 miles ahead of satanic attack, attacks attacks if you are very prophetic all right so all these graces have been made available to us in the Christ someone say in the Christ so in the Christ we have the prophetic we have the prophetic anointing the prophet anointing praise the name of Jesus in the Christ we have the king anointing the king anointing give, makes you could be governmental to be able to authority be, well, with authority with there's somebody called believers authority to be able to author, walk in authority boldly confidently making decrees because that's what kings do kings make decrees is that correct kings are never beggarly kings decree so we decree everywhere we go we are full of faith we are full of faith in Christ we have been imbued with the life of Christ we go forth and we manifest kingdom hallelujah that's why we say that every blood must be kingdom amen I use that word a little bit a lot so you have to be kingdom. You have to be kingdom. What that means is that you have to walk in faith and you have to be able to put your faith through your lips and make decrees. Praise God. And govern whatever territory God has called you to be. To be, to be. Now, the third anointing is the anointing of the priest. I'll go on on Christ, but it's a matter for me to explain to you what the Christ says. So when we think about the Christ, 
in church or we look or you, or you, or you read the Christ in the Bible, these are the three things that should that should function that should clearly open up before you. What we say, receive the Christ anointing, which means get into prophet anointing, get into the kingdom anointing. Now the priest anointing is that is that is that priesthood. There is that is that opportunity that makes you go to go to God in worship to be able to do ministry. So that 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 anointing of priesthood allows you to be able to do ministry or what we call spiritual service. So every believer ought to be able to serve in whatever ministry or the other. To serve as a minister of the Lord. That's a priestly anointing. Whether you do it through worship, amen, or you do it through giving, or you do it through bringing an offering before the Lord, that's priesthood, amen. Priesthood anointing is how we worship, is how we praise, is how we give our time, is how we give our offering, or whatever it is that we do that is ministry, that's priesthood. Anybody understand that? So all these three anointings are in the Christ, are the things that make the Christ. So when you hear, I am a Christian, or when you say, I am a Christian, what you are saying to the heavenlies is, I am a prophet, king, and priest. Anybody hear this? Hear me? Amen? What does it mean when you say you are a Christian? When you stand before that Satan, and you stand before the one and say, I am a Christian, what you are saying is, I have the anointing of a prophet, I have the anointing of a priest, I have the anointing of, a, of what? Of a king. And please don't let that, don't ever let anybody take that away from you. That's what qualifies you to be a Christian. To be one who carries the Christ or the Christos inside your human spirit. Amen. And so we're going to see in the days to come, as the church catches a lot more revelation of the Christ, as we spend more time in prayer and spend more time in worship and we spend more time in serving and in ministry, we'll discover more of the Christ's grace upon our life. We will grow in Christ. So Paul, Bible says, grow in Christ and grow in the knowledge of Christ. What that means is you grow your revelation of your, of your Christ capacity. Praise the name of Jesus. You grow that by reading the word of God. You grow that by praying. You grow that by serving and making yourself available to, to serve. Praise God. Anybody understand that? Alright, so let's go back to this story of Daniel. So Daniel caught, caught a revelation in verse 24, 20, 24 which we just read. And then and verse 25 says, Know and understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, that is the Messiah or the Messiah, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in the times of trouble. In verse 26. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Verse 27. It will confirm a covenant with the many for one seven in the middle of the seven. It will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of the temple, it will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, I'm not going to bother you with this, but if you, I, a regular study student of the word of God, you realize that Jesus mentioned something about something will happen until the until you see the abomination of the solution spoken about by Daniel the prophet. So Jesus spoke about that. Now I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the details of it, but let's go back to verse 24. That verse 24 clearly shows us six things, uh, and uh, it's just six principles I just want to share with us tonight. Like I said to you, someone asked me this question about the four, 490. And the 490 clearly explains what it is, uh, explains the 70 years of exile of the people of Israel. And what was, what was the question the person asked me? The, the question was very simple. It says, Pastor, why did the Lord deliver Judah's, uh, Judah and their king into the hands of, into the hands of um, Nebuchadnezzar? 
king of Babylon for 70 years? That was a simple question. I'm sure you know, I'm sure that, you know that's, a, that's, that's, an, that's an event in history. Praise the name of Jesus. He said, why did he do that? And the reason God did that was because God wanted to make sure that all the 490 years that the people of Israel had, had um, stolen from him were repaid. What was 70 years? Every seven years, God's instruction, if you, if you get and read the book of Leviticus 25, God's instruction when he brought them out of Egypt to Israel was uh, every six days you will walk. On the seventh day, you'll observe a, a day of rest called the Sabbath day. In that Sabbath day, don't buy anything, don't sell anything, don't go to work, and uh, rest at home. Then he also gave them a, 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 an instruction. He says, apart from the six days, he says, every six years, listen to this, he says, every six years, you, you, you farm the ground. Go to work and till the ground and sow your ground. But on the seventh year, leave the land fallow. Don't grow on it. Don't go to farm on it. Leave the land and it rests. It says, do not worry what you will eat in that seventh year. Because in the sixth year, I will give you harvest for three years. Which will cover your sixth year. It will cover your seventh year. And it will also cover your eighth year. The year you are supposed to be to have been reaping the seventh year. So don't, so don't worry. What I want you to do is, you keep my instruction and you observe the Sabbath year. And God said to them, this Sabbath year, you will call it a Sabbath year of rest. Now, this instruction was given to them when they came out of Egypt, but when they got deeper into, into, the, into, the, into the promised land, they forgot about all those things. Because, I mean, everything was okay. They, they have become successful right now. They are no longer, they're no longer those people who went to beg for bread from the Egyptian masters. You know, they didn't have to work for 40, 30 years and be slaves anymore. They are big boys and big girls right now. So they could afford to disobey God. And that's exactly what they did. So God was watching them and God sent prophets to them. One of the prophets God sent to them was Jeremiah. For 23 years, Jeremiah told them, he says, God said to say to you that you have denied me of my year of rest. And I'm counting the years. And God, over time, discovered that they had they had hold him 490 years of not observing the Sabbath, which is where we got the word 77 from. And this was what God did. So God said, tell them, Jeremiah, that because they have, they have uh, denied me of my land of rest for, 70, for 490 years, I will take it back from them. And so, when you divide 490... By 70, what do you get? You get 7, which is the number of the rest years, the, the, the Sabbath years that they, that they deny God. So that's why they were there for 70 years. And while they were there for 70 years, at the 40th year, some prophets rose up and says, don't worry, you won't stay for 70 years. God says, go and tell them that they're lying. And Jeremiah, go and tell them that they're lying. And they will tell them. So, so, so every time, you always had false prophets who will give people a false hope. Don't worry, you don't have to, you're, gonna, you're not going to go through so much trouble to get to where you're going. Don't worry, one year you'll be okay. God said, no, not one year, I said 70 years. <laughs> now, there's a difference when you know that God is taking you through a process for a number of years, and that you are following the Lord in that, than that someone gives you a wrong opinion and a wrong value and says that, don't worry, you will not go suffer, you will not go beg for bread. Which is one of the reasons why a lot of people are... Reneging from the faith. 
Because somebody says, once you come into Christ, everything will be alright. Nobody told you that the Bible says in the book of Acts that you shall through much tribulation enter the kingdom. That anybody who will live a godly life in Christ Jesus will do what? Will suffer? So when you go through persecution, you don't know how to handle it because someone told you that once you come into Christ, everything is going to be perfect. As if Jesus did not suffer for your salvation. The Bible says even he, the author of our salvation was what? Was perfected through suffering. So how did we get to this level <clears throat> where the body of Christ thinks that serving Christ and walking through Christ means Okay, no, no, no. In the midst of it, God will give you an assurance of his grace and of his strength. Amen. The Holy Ghost will comfort you. It will strengthen you. The Holy Ghost will be there to help you. Yes, praise, praise the Lord Jesus. But as against the people of Israel who disobeyed God and are being punished, you are not being punished. You are going through a process of God developing you so that you can be able to help people who are going to be in trouble that you need to help. Praise God. In the last one year, Trying to build the Capsule Resource Center has taken me to another level of warfare and revelation altogether that I ever had in my 32 years of faith. <laughs> that I can really write and write volumes about what it means when God gives you a prophetic word. How you really have to fight battles. I never knew that if God gives you a prophetic word and says you are going to have a building, I thought it was going to be like that. People would come and put it in your hand and say it's all been paid for. Take the key. That's what I thought. Is that what you think too? I never knew that the moment you get a prophetic word and I'm going to build you something, it means that it's a call to warfare. I never knew that. So this was what happened. A couple of days ago, I was online and I saw someone, probably a, a pastor, who was trying to build, probably was trying to build what we are trying to build, but in America. He says, please help. I need a thousand intercessors to help us. I never knew that building is this hard. And I'm saying to myself, okay. I thought it's easy in America to build. I thought it's in Nigeria that you have to pay cash to be able to build what I'm building. So it basically means wherever you are, when God gives you a prophetic word, you have to be ready to go through warfare. Because at the end of that prophetic word, what God intends to do is to mature you to a point whereby you will be able to help those people who will come in the future who have the problems you're going through. You say, no, it's okay. This is how you go about it. So this is what it is. I'm being inundated by people say you have to write a book. So you have to write, say, he says, he said, he said to me, he said, what, you read, what you've gone through the last one year, you need to write a book. He said that, one of my friends says, there's no one who's written a book concerning how to build a building without penny. And to build it and go through the battles. What are, what are we not fought? We have fought court cases. As I speak to you, we are still going to court tomorrow to finalize everything. Is that correct? Hello, people? It was the first time in my life that I began to, that I entered into a court case. When I was growing up, there's a prayer my grandmother used to pray. God, may you never see case of policemen. I never knew that I wasn't going to see case of policemen alone. I was going to see case of judges. Hello, people. I mean, what are we not going through? We've gone through people locked us up. <laughs> we got people locked up, put us in court cases. We got, we got all manner of things. We got people who are land drivers come to take our land. We've got people, we got all manner of things. We've got people who have gone to steal from us. We've got people who have stood and we are, they, have been, they have been cursing us. I mean, you have seen all manner of things. And why? What is it, brother? Because God gave us a prophetic word. So this is what it means. How many people want a prophetic word? Are you sure you? <laughs> because the moment that prophetic word leaves heaven for the earth, like saying, are you signed up for the, for the battle? So we never get ready for that. 
We don't understand that. And that's some of the things that God is trying to teach us. That I, I train your hand to war and I train your finger to fight. So that the bow of steel is broken by your hands. My intention is not to kill you. My intention is to mature you through a process. But by the time you are done through that process, you will be able to stand as a minister, as a priest. Don't forget three anointings. Prophet, king, and priest. You'll be able to stand as a minister to be able to comfort others who will be going through the things you've gone through. You say, well, it's okay. You're not dying. We survived it. You'll survive it too. Praise God. And that really is also the thing that Christ did. Christ went through the pains and the struggles so that we can be matured and so that he can deliver unto us the victory. Praise God. And tell her, whatever it is you are going through, I know about it and I will see you through too. And that's why today we, we, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we are full, are full of faith. We, we, we see bounce, we see worshiping, we see singing. Amen. We have no pen in our pocket sometimes, but we see worship, we see serving the Lord. Is that correct? Anybody? Do you have a witness in the house? Anybody? I mean, you see, people say, but what? This doesn't even make sense. I mean, what are you excited about? There's no money in the bank. There's no money in your pocket. And you're still excited. And you're, you're doing intensive worship. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but you tell them, the joy of the Lord, that is my strength. And then ultimately, when the Holy Ghost comes through for you, because he will, I say he will. I say he will. I say he will. And when it comes through for you, after those period of processes and error, you will be able to sit down and write an essay. And write a book. You write an autobiography. Praise the name of Jesus. So, I see authors all over this place. Praise the name of Jesus. You must make sure you write a book before you die. Hello people, somebody hear me? Because what God is taking you through, and he's going to finish it, and he's going to perfect it. Amen. You have to write something for generations yet unborn to, to, to read. Because by the time God is done with you, you will say, Wow. I never knew that word. So when God spoke to them, God says, I'm going to take you out of, out of bondage into promised land. They were very excited. It took them 40 years. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, they disobeyed God on their own case. Is that right? Is that correct? All right. But God never told them, God never told them you're going to go through battle. God never told them anything about Evites, Ita, Jebusites, Gagashites. He never told them that. He never told them any of those names. They never knew that. The only name they knew was Pharaoh. Is that correct? They didn't even know anything about Red Sea. Until they faced rest that night. And they said, oh, let's go back. God just said, no, 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 we're not going to go back. We have not come this way. God has not brought us this far to kill us here. And I want to say that to somebody here. God has not brought you this far to kill you there. That resting will part before you. That general will part before you. But you have to stand as king. You have to stand, okay, as a prophet. You have to stand as a priest. And speak into the atmosphere. And speak into the future. Anybody here with me? Alright, so that's the Christ anointing. That's the Christ character. That's the Christ dimension. So when we say Christ, the moment the next, the next time I hear you, you hear me say the word Christ. What I'm trying to say is prophet, priest, king. Prophet. Someone say prophet, priest, king. Come on, someone say prophet, priest. One more time. Prophet, priest, and king. Now, these are the vocabularies that you need to start using. I have the prophet anointing, I have the king anointing, I have the priest anointing. Nothing is going to catch me by surprise because I have the prophet anointing. Nothing is going to subdue me. I'm going to rule over everything because I have the king anointing. I'm going to be an effective minister of God because I have the priest anointing. I'm not going to struggle to pray or to worship or to serve or to give an offering. Hello, people. I'm going to worship God faithfully as a priest. Praise the name of Jesus. So once you begin to declare that, it will not be a struggle for you to serve the Lord as a priest. It will not be a struggle for you to stand and wield your authority as a king. It will not be a struggle for you to discern what is in the womb of time because you are prophet, king, 
and priest. Let's say it one more time. Prophet, king. One more time. Let's say it. Prophet, king, and priest. All right, let me quickly run through what I said. Six things. So, having understood verse 24, maybe, let's, read, let's, let's read it again. Let's read it again. Daniel 9, 24. 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to, number one, finish transgression. I want you to underline that if, if, if you have your Bible. Finish transgression. Number two, to put an end to sin. Underline end to sin. Put an end to sin. Number three, to atone for wickedness. So underline it. Atone for wickedness. Atonement. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. Alright. Number five, to seal up vision and prophecy. You need to underline that. To seal up vision and prophecy. Number six, to anoint the most holy. And I explained that to you, that to anoint means to be the to, to the, to, the, the Messiah, the prophet, priest, king, the Messiah anointing. And the most holy, the, the most holy there actually is an inference of the most holy place, which is where you call the Holy of Holies. Okay. So God, <clears throat> so God is saying something here about, <clears throat> I'm going to provide a covering and anointing for my holy people. That's basically what God is saying. Okay. So let's, let's look at these six things here. I hope I've not, I've not, I've not thrown you. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. So I said there are six things that <clears throat> Christ did or six reasons why Jesus came. Uh, <clears throat> number one, Jesus came to finish this transgression. Now, this will be affected by the preaching of the gospel and by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. And that's why it's very prophetic and very profound when the worship together to talk about spirit, spirit, spirit poured out. Spirit pour out your spirit, pour out your spirit. That's very, very prophetic dimension. So they just exhibited the Christ anointing right now tonight. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> and you always know when you exhibit the Christ anointing, there will be deliverance. When the Christ is operational through your singing, somebody will get loose, somebody will get free, somebody will get delivered. Praise the name of Jesus. When the Christ anointing is operational through your king, king, kingdom life, people, you, you, will, you will lead, you will rule, and you will govern territories for the Lord. If the Christ anointing is a bit in your life through ministry, through ministry, through, through priesthood, you will offer, you will bring ministry out of the spirit and you will bring healing and hope to people. Praise God. And that's why I pray out, Lord, <clears throat> I always ask Lord, I say, Lord, please help me to bring ministry out of the spirit. Amen. It's the reason why I spent, I try to spend some time to pray because nothing changes life other than to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hello, people. It's very important. We, we cannot negotiate that away. You have to be in the spirit at all times. It's one of the reasons why I said to you, a, a true child of God cannot seek pleasure. You have to be in the spirit at all times. Praise the name of Jesus. You have to be willing to pay the price to be in the spirit so that God can change you and then God can use you to change the world. Because that's why we're here. The reason we're here is to change the world. Hello, people. is to be prophet, to be king, and to be priest. Someone say, be prophet, king, and priest. One more time. Prophet, king, and priest. That's your purpose. The purpose you have on the earth is to be prophet, be king, and be priest. Amen. And this three must work in your life and it's called the Christ. Hello, people? What did I say it's called? What did I say it's called? What did I say it's called? So the Christ means you are prophetic, you are kingdom, and you are priestly. Praise the name of Jesus. Alright. I'm, 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 I'm Intentionally emphasizing it. So because we need to understand that. 
that this is what we need to walk in. It's the middle for us in Christ. Okay, this is this six things. So, so number one, Jesus Christ, okay, came to finish the transgression. That's what that, that chapter nine verse twenty four says. Says to finish transgression, and uh, I said to finish transgression, Christ came, paid the price. The book of Isaiah fifty eight fifty three verse eight. Let's look at it. Isaiah fifty three verse eight, please. Let me take some cue from Isaiah fifty three verse eight. It says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken. This was a prophecy by Isaiah. We spoke, we spoke about Isaiah extensively on Sunday. Awesome man. So, I, Isaiah was given an opportunity to see the Christ. And he wrote a whole chapter, which he called the Sovereign Servant. Which is a prophetic chapter on Christ and the things he will come to do. And in verse 8, he says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. So this is what Jesus did. Jesus Christ was stricken because of the sins of the world. So God was showing Daniel that Jesus Christ was going to come after the, 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 after the, the exile had been accomplished and he will finish transgression. That he will finish the transgression of, of sinners. Praise the name of Jesus. And so those are the things that we enjoy right now. After that, Christ came and then he paid the price. And the Bible says, for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Hallelujah. And that's what, that's one of the messages that we have as the body of Christ. That Christ has come to finish transgression. So when people say, don't you, you don't know what I've done. I've killed. I've aborted severally. I've destroyed many lives. I've been involved in causes and I've killed people. I mean, a couple of people have come to me and said, you know, Pastor, I don't know what I... I, I just Someone invited me to this church. I just feel like talking to you. I said, well, why are you coming? He said, well, you know, I'm a cultist and I've actually killed a lot of people. In fact, there's one of them that's looking for me right now. I, I killed some person. You know? And I think what they expect me to say is, what? My God! Really? Where's the policeman? Where's the police station? You know, you know people have a lot of self-judgment and self-condemnation. But when they come into Christ... And Christ tells them things like, I have finished the transgression and for the transgression of my people it was stricken. Then you recognize that it doesn't matter what people have done wrong. Now, it's terrible for them to sin, but there is nothing too big that God cannot forgive. The reason is because Jesus already carried the transgression of everyone upon himself. He came to finish the transgression. Praise the name of Jesus. And so, we are confident to say to people, come as you are without one plea. Doesn't matter how terrible your life has been. Doesn't matter how messed up your life has been. If you come into Christ, he will forgive you. Why? Because it does not count your sins against you. If only you will repent and ask for mercy, he will forgive you. Why? Because he came to finish transgression. Someone say he came to finish transgression. Alright, number two. Number two. Why Jesus came? Let me read one more scripture before I go on. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. Before we go to number 2. Hebrews 9, 24, please. If you're just joining us online or offline, we're talking about six things that Christ came to do. And I think these six things are the things he gives to us as a message to preach to the world. Number one, we said he came to finish transgression. Hallelujah. Daniel saw that prophetically. Daniel saw the Messiah the Messiah, the Messiah, prophetically, who will come to finish transgression. Praise the name of Jesus. And Hebrews chapter 9 is where I'm reading verse 24. It says, For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary, 
that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now, this is telling you <clears throat> about the extent of what Jesus did or how he went to make sure that your transgressions were totally cleansed and forgiven. This is what he did. When he was hung on the cross of Calvary, and the Bible says he was pierced on every side, blood came out of every part of his body. And Bible say, Bible says that it was numbered among transgressors. What actually happened was Jesus took the blood. Now, for any sin to be forgiven, blood has to be shed. In the normal world, the priest or the high priest will shed the blood of animals and he will carry the blood into the holiest and then he will prevent the present blood before God and then God will say their sins are forgiven. And their sins will be forgiven for just about a year. But Jesus Christ came then he became a perfect sacrifice for sin. So that once and for all, there will be no need for clean of animals and bulls and goats. But this was what he needed to do. He needed to also carry his own blood <clears throat> into the temple. Now there are two temples. There is a temple that is earthly in the days of Moses. From which, from which Moses built... Oh, sorry. Moses built the temple that he built from a pattern that exists in heaven. So there is a temple in heaven. Amen. That's why the Bible says that Moses built the tabernacle according to the pattern that God showed him. So there is a pattern, there is a temple in heaven. You need to understand it. So what happened was Jesus, unlike the high priest, natural human high priest, who will carry the blood of the bull or the goat to a holy physical holy place in a physical temple, Jesus took his own blood. Hello people? The blood that he bled, he took his own blood and pre- took it up to the heavenly. That's what I was saying talking about this. He took it to heaven, the temple in heaven, the tabernacle in heaven, and presented it as the sin sacrifice brought also as the high priest. <laughs> and he presented his own blood. Now, the blood that he presented was what God looked on and says, anyone who will accept the sacrifice you made with your blood will never be accused of sin anymore. So, this is it. So, that's how he was able to finish transgression. So, it doesn't matter how terrible I may be or you may be, if you will just simply accept that Jesus Christ really shed his blood for you, and you can preach that to anyone through the gospel that Jesus shed his blood for them and they need to just believe that Jesus shed his blood, they'll be free. It doesn't matter how terrible their sins are, they will be free. It's the reason why people do not understand the mystery of salvation. Some people cannot get saved. You know the reason is because they feel they are too good, they never sinned anything in their life, they never did anything wrong. And they'll tell you, I never stole, I never, I never, I never had a girlfriend, I never killed anybody, I never aborted. I never lied to my parents. I never killed anybody. So, I'm not a sinner. They do not understand that all men who came through Adam fell into sin. And that the sin that Jesus Christ paid the price for as a transgression is not the sin of you don't eat or you don't drink or you don't steal or you, don't, or you stole. It is the sin of the first Adam. So, the first Adam sold all mankind into sin before they were ever born. The second Adam brought all men into righteousness. I'm going to come to that about when I talk about the six things that Jesus came to do. So, clearly, Jesus finished his transgression. Amen. So, the Bible says here, so, for Christ did not enter a mammoth sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. Did you hear what, I, what we said? Is that what we said before? There is a true one in heaven. There is a mammoth one on the earth. Is that right? He entered 
heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. That's what he did. That's what I would say he did. He entered for us in God's presence. He took his own blood as the sacrificial lamb, carrying the sin of the world, took his own blood, sat as high priest, presented his own blood before the Father, the Father's presence. The Father looked at the blood, accepted it, and said, This is a perfect sacrifice for sin. The Bible says in verse 25. Now, this is the this see what I'm sharing, sharing with you is the the foundation of the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus. That Jesus Christ already finished the transgression. That all men can be saved, regardless of how terrible they are being or how dirty they feel. That all they need is to believe in their heart that Jesus Christ paid the price and to confess with their mouth that he is Lord. End of story, they will be saved. Because the transgression has been finished. And I may say this, you have no right to condemn anybody. Because you didn't die for anyone. You get it? what I'm saying? Your job is to preach the gospel to them, is to tell them, Jesus finished the transgression. Your job is not to say, okay, there is a harlot. Okay, he's always drinking. Okay, he's always beating his wife. That's not your job. What's your job? Your job is to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? To tell the world that Jesus has finished the transgression. Praise the name of Jesus. And that all men can come to Jesus the way they are and they will be saved. Can I hear yes, somebody? So, this is our, this is our mission. This, this is our message. This is the gospel. So, we finish, so we agree with God to finish the transgression when we preach the message of the gospel, which is God sent Jesus to shed his blood and through the shedding of his blood he finished transgression. Praise the Lord. So verse 25 says, Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the earthly priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Praise the name of Jesus. Did you get it? This is just simple plain English. Look at verse 26. Then Christ will have had to suffer many times. Since the creation of the world. But now. Somebody say now. And that's the beautiful thing. He says, but now he has appeared once for At the end of the ages. To do away with sin. By the sacrifice of himself. <laughs> so, this, what, is, what, does, this, what this means is. You don't get accepted to God. Nobody gets accepted to God because of the good things they did. Everybody gets acceptable to God because Jesus finished his transgression. By the sacrifice of himself, when he carried his own blood into the holiest in heaven, once and for all. So there would never be any reason why anybody should pay libation to sacrifice turtle doves or animals ever again. So next time you see somebody in your village or anywhere who says, bring an animal, bring a cattle, bring whatever it is, and they slaughter it and they shed blood, what they are doing is that we are, they are exposing themselves to demonic activities. Yeah. That's it. Many people don't know that. When you shed any other blood other than the blood of Jesus that has been shed, you expose yourself to demons. Whether you caught cults, you caught blood covenant in cults, or your blood, you, 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 somebody take you to some baba and they say, yeah, just kill a turtle dove or kill a, or kill a white cockerel. The moment you do that, whether you know it, knowing or not, you know you do that, you open yourself up to demonic activities. Because God doesn't accept that anymore. Only one blood has been shed, and that blood is perfect for the sacrifice of sin. It's the blood of Jesus. Do we understand this? So it says, and to do away with sin by 
the sacrifice of himself. Let's read to verse 20, 20, 20, 28. Verse 27 says, Just as man is destined to die once and for all, and after that to face judgment. Verse 28. So, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sin of many people. This is the gospel people. If they tell you pray the gospel, this is what you should preach. That you don't get accepted to God by the things you do, but by the things that Jesus did. That none of us, none of us stand here tonight. Even I don't care... I don't care how anointed you are as a preacher. Praise the name of Jesus. Some of the things you did before you, get, you got saved, they were unmentionable, unnameable. Plus, it's not even about what you did. It's about what was done before you were ever born, through Adam, the first Adam. Who, 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 who by his disobedience in the Garden of Eden brought all men under death. But thank God for the second Adam. Through him, we have life. We have eternal life. We have the life of God. We have the never dying, never expiring life. That's what Christ did. He finished the transgression. And that's says, so Christ was sacrificed one to take away the sins of many people. Sin of many people. Many people, the old world. And he will appear a second time. This time, not to be a sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's talking about the resurrection. The second resurrection. Hallelujah. Which is the hope of every believer. Which another thing is what we call the finish. Amen. Jesus finished the transgression. But there's also going to be a time when you also will come to a point of finish. Two things will happen. Either you grow old and you die, it's called the finish. Or while you are teeth, Jesus Christ come and take the sins of it's called the finish. So the finish will either be you grow old and you die, or Jesus comes, okay, and takes the sins away. Okay, so Jesus finished the transgression. And the next finish you are waiting for is when we will be harvested on the earth. Anybody understand this? Now, this is what it means to be a Christ follower. This is what it means to be a believer. This is what it means to say, I am saved truly. And if anybody, if anyone has not experienced that salvation, then you may not understand what I'm talking about. Then you need to give your heart to Christ. Okay? And say, okay, God, I'm not going to be self-righteous anymore. I'm going to come by you. All right, let me quickly run before I close tonight. Of course, I need to do this. But I'm glad I was able to do a little bit of that for the first thing. Finish transgression. It's very key. Very foundational. What does Jesus do? Number two. Jesus came to make an end of sin offerings. And uh, see, Jesus did this when he offered his spotless soul and body on the cross for once for all. And we saw that also, that what the Bible says. Once and for all. <laughs> okay. That's what he did. He, he made an end of sin offering. So right now there is no offering for sin anymore. It's one reason why we say. When you bring an offering, okay, tithe, offering, giving, special giving, CRC giving, whatever it is, okay, you are not paying for anything. Jesus already paid the price for everything. What you are doing is that you are doing ministry. You are offering as a priest. Hello, everybody, I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. When you bring an offering, you're not trying to bring an offering to pacify God to let him overlook your sin. Jesus already paid the price for sin. Jesus is already the sin offering. Perfect in offering. Once and for all, he offered his body and his soul and is complete. Totally faultless. Absolutely complete. So when we bring offering, okay, we bring offering in righteousness because we love the Lord and because we are trying to do ministry to serve him. Praise the name of Jesus. And then we now say, okay, Lord, I give you this more because I love you so much. Praise God. Or, God, I don't love you so much, so I keep my money. Anybody understand what I'm saying? So every time you keep your money, or you keep your worship, or you keep your time of praise, or you keep your talent from being for means for God, what you are saying is, God, I don't want to be a minister, I don't want to be a priest, 
I don't love you that much. Oh, you can't you can't take my time, you can't take my money. I have, it's my hard and money. I work for it. God, we pardon to understand. And that's what I said. When you when you owe back your worship, when you owe back your offering, when you owe back your money, when you find a reason why you must not pay tithe, you have you are very excited when there's a controversy about giving, you're very happy because you feel that right now somebody is fighting for the for the right of the of, of believers who have been fleeced by pastors. You think you're giving an offering to church pastor. That's what you think. Very big mistake. When you give time, how many people know for you coming for you coming up to serve either as an usher or to, to walk the camera or to or to clean the floor? How many people know you have not done me any service? Put your hands up, anybody. And if I gave you if I had given a wrong impression that every time you come to be an usher, you are coming to serve pastor, I'm, I apologize. That every time you come and sing in the worship team, oh, you have made pastor's life. Sorry, sir. Or when that money leaves your pocket, or you or you use that money and you put that ATM card in the, in the POS and you say pew and, and you print that thing out. You say, yeah, this pastor will know that I am a real deal. Sorry, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whether you give your money, or you give your time, or you give your talents. To sing in the worship team or to pray or to whatever it is. What you are doing is you are doing priesthood. Praise the name of Jesus. You are doing ministry to the Lord. Now, if your offering is acceptable, that's good. All I need to do, I need to make sure that my offering is acceptable. That's why it doesn't matter how many people are here every Sunday or every Monday or whatever. I do this as if my own life personally because it does. Because I am standing here to be a priest unto him. In such a way that if you don't show up tomorrow, I will still be here to do this. Why? Because it's not about you. I'm not doing this for you. Do you get blessed? Yes, you get blessed. Praise God. Do you say, Pastor, you did a good job yesterday. Yeah, right? Do I smile at it? Yes, I smile. But it's got nothing to do with you. And if I think that you are the one who will reward me, I am so mistaken. If you think I'm the one that will reward you because you give him offering, because you sing in the worship team, because you clean the toilet, because you serve as an usher, if you think that pastor should say, well done, and because he doesn't say, well done, he won't see me tomorrow, you are very mistaken. So let's understand it. There is no other offering for sin other than the one Jesus already paid. His blood. When he stood before the throne of heaven and he presented his body, his, his blood as a high priest, that is the perfect offering. Everything else you and I do, we do in the first ministry. We're doing it because we love the Lord. And if we don't do it, it tells the Lord where our heart is. Praise the name of Jesus. So that means that nobody should beg you to serve in the church. If you really love the Lord, you should be the first to come here, you should be the last to come to leave. If you really, really love the Lord, as you say you love the Lord, Jesus, I love you too much, oh, too much. If you really love the Lord like that, you'll be the first to come here, you'll be the last to leave. <laughs> you give your time, you give your talent. Why? Because Jesus already paid himself as a sin offering. Let me quickly run this because I, if, I, if I don't go to the next one, I won't leave. Number three, Jesus came to make reconciliation for iniquity. He came to make atonement on what we call expiation. And he did this by one's offering up of himself. Let's read the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Colossians 1 14. <clears throat> In whom we have redemption 
the forgiveness of sin. Hallelujah. I always, I always get you to read this before at the end of every service. It's intentional. Because these things have to seep into our spirit to know that there's nothing we have that we, are, that we have by reason of our good work. It's because we have received forgiveness of sin. It's because we have received redemption. Praise the name of Jesus. I stand here tonight before you to say I'm preaching because I have received forgiveness of sin. If God hears my prayer and, I, and he has my prayer, it's not because I'm better than anybody. It's because I have received redemption. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. And I need to keep myself in the love of God by living holy, by, by living a sanctified life, by putting myself in an atmosphere where God can continually reach me and sanctify me by his word. That's why you read the Bible every day. That's why you pray. Not because you are looking for a job, but because you must keep being sanctified by the truth. Hello, people. Because you have been redeemed, but now you need to now begin to seek your salvation with fear and trembling. That's why you pray. That's why we That's why you come for Bible study. It's not because you have nothing to do. Many times people think, well, I don't have anything to do. Let me just sound here there. No, 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 no. Big mistake. Wrong idea. You go there, you go to fellowship because you want to continue to be sanctified by the truth. Amen. You live holy because you know you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. And you don't want to slide back into sin because you know the impact of that. That's why you continue to front line. You need to go forward in Christ. Are we here? Anybody to me? Look at the book of Isaiah 53.11. 53.11. Isaiah 53.11. I'm running behind, I'm really behind time right now. Isaiah 53.11. Very quickly. Am I too fast? Yes. Huh? <laughs> I know I'm too fast. I'm trying to just cry everything here. It's the reason why you need to get the tape. Go out there and tell them, I want to, I want to, I want to pray, I want to buy for the tape for the year. And they tell you how much it is, and then you pay. So they give it, they send it to you every day. Amen. And you can listen to it ever again by WhatsApp, by email, whatever, in MP3. That would be beautiful. That's a good thing to do. And you can see um, the church office there. All right. So it says, after the suffering, I'm still on number three. Jesus came to make reconciliation for iniquity. Okay. Isaiah 53, verse 11. And Colossians 1, verse 14. 53, 11 says, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their what? And he will do what? He will bear their iniquities. This is what Jesus did. Jesus bore our iniquities. Praise God. All your sins, Jesus has carried them. So as far as you are concerned, you are not a sinner. Amen. You have been forgiven. The blood cleanses you. Praise the name of Jesus. Whenever God looks down, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees a saint. That's why we call you a saint. Amen. How many saints are here? You are a sinner because you are perfect, but because Jesus already made you perfect. Jesus already paid the price. Hello, people? Jesus already paid the price. If you really know your true worth in heaven, and your true worth before hell, you really, really do, young girl. Many of you are, under, you are underestimating yourself. If you really see how demons see you, those guys are afraid of you. If you really see how angels see you, angels are very jealous of you. Because the Bible says, they seek to look into the things that you have. Hallelujah. How does God see you? God sees you as very precious because it cost, your salvation has cost the life of his only son. He gave his only son to die for sin. And so, forget about whether I you feel in the morning, I don't feel too happy. I don't feel like I please God. As far as God's concerned, you are just amazing because every time he looks on you, he sees the blood of his son. That's the beautiful thing. Because, why? Because Jesus already bore your iniquities. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So what am I trying to say to you? When you make mistake, okay, you know what you should just do? Oh God, 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Please forgive me, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus to cleanse me. And move on. Praise the name of Jesus. Don't even say tomorrow. God, well, I don't know why you forgave me yesterday. You know, that bite thing I did yesterday. You know, I lied to my wife. I lied. How many of you? And how many of you lied to your wife and your husband? All right. I understand. Just, just say, Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> All right. You lied to your parents. <laughs> you lied to everybody. Oh, Jesus, you know, you know, this is not my nature anymore. Jesus, you already forgive me. Please forgive me. And he will forgive you. Because every time he looks down, he doesn't see your sin. Because Jesus already bore your iniquities. That's the, that's the threat that Jesus did. Jesus Christ did what? He came to make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, Jesus came to bring in everlasting righteousness. He is a righteous one. I'm sure you know that. Jesus is the righteous one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bible calls him, says he is our righteousness. <clears throat> Amen. So this is what happens. <laughs> many times, I, and I, I need to say that, I always, start to, I always start to demystify my ministry myself before you deliberately and it's intentional because many times you know we live in an environment where people idolize pastors a lot you get it because of the way pastors dress and the way they smell is that correct they smell so nice i mean they look like wow in their three-piece suit my goodness i mean this guy has no care in the world my god i just want to be like him or maybe not all those pastoral and pastoral thing nobody appreciates you people always do no one moment i want to be a pastor no i don't want to be a pastor again you know but I really like these pastors, you know. I mean, they marry the finest wives, you know. They have the greatest children, you know. Everything about them is speak and span. And I just like that. And I just, I'm sure they must have some access point to God that we all humans don't have. No. <laughs> Everyone that has had their sins forgiven by Christ can stand before God for the singular reason that they are not being seen in their righteousness. What God is saying is the righteousness of Jesus. So when we stand and we say, Lord God, I pray for these people. I intercede for these members of this church. The Lord, you will hear them and you will heal them. And I lay hands on you and I cast out devils. I am telling you, I'm doing that not because I'm a super guy. I'm doing that because I recognize that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because I have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, God will hear me all the time. What does that tell you? Because you also are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you try. God will hear you all the time. That's the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to do what? To establish everlasting righteousness. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when we receive him, that's what we have come into. We have come into righteousness. He is that person who has been the object of the faith of all mankind and the subject of the predictions of the prophets through all the ages of the world. He is a righteous one. And in his righteousness, we have gotten our own righteousness. Hallelujah. So I, I want to, let me say this. How many righteous people are here tonight? How many people are righteous? Lift your hands up. If not, come forward. Let's, let's, let's lead you to Christ. Let's get you saved. <laughs> because you need to leave this place tonight with an assurance that you are righteous. Okay? Now don't make I didn't say you are perfect. <laughs> I didn't say you, didn't, you don't make mistakes. But I'm saying you are righteous. What's, where is your righteousness? Your righteousness has been purchased for you through the righteousness of Jesus. And that's why when the devil tried to accuse you, oh, you, you, uh, you were trying to pray. You that lied. You that did what you said. No. Whenever God looks down, he sees his son. Jesus the righteous one. Hallelujah. 
And that's the beautiful thing about this faith that we are in. We have been made righteous. How many righteous people are here? So Jesus came to bring in everlasting righteousness. Let me give you the last two more before we go out. And I have just three minutes. Jesus came to seal up the vision and the prophecies. It came to finish the prophecies and to complete the prophecies. That's why when people say all the abracadabra thing about there's something about God that you don't know is a lie. Hello people. Every prophecy is concluded in Christ. The greatest of prophets, whether we are apostles, prophets, teachers, or combined honors, all of us are prophesying out of the residue of Christ's anointing. Hello, people. Don't let anybody deceive you. Hello, people. And don't you go and deceive anybody. Because sometimes you think it's pastors deceiving people. People are deceiving themselves. So people are deceiving their wives and their husbands and their children. And say, don't, you don't know me. Who are you? The only thing you have is that Jesus Christ has perfected prophetic word and finished it. Jesus has finished So, Let's look at the book of Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. Anybody follow me tonight? Am I too complex? Alright, because people accuse me a lot. They say, Pastor, you are too technical. Some people say you are too complex. Some people say you are too sophisticated in your teaching. Some people say, Pastor, we don't even understand when you say these things. <laughs> so, I have to be careful. Amen. <laughs> Alright, so, look at this. Revelation 19.10. And at this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. This guy had this guy has seen an angel and he was about to worship an angel. And he just said, Don't worship. Let, listen to this. Whoever you are, don't worship angels. Angels are meant to serve you. Praise the name of Jesus. That your servants, that your boy boys, serve, let them serve you. Praise God. Give them instruction. Go and serve me. You go there. Make sure that nothing happens to me. I am protected. I want to go safe and come back safe. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm going to right now. I want to make sure that you turn everybody's head in my favor. Okay? Angels go and get it happen. Praise the name of Jesus. Try it. Get your angels to work. Praise God. Because that's their job. And you don't worship them. Okay, they serve you. So the Bible says, so the angel said, do not, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So this is it. The Bible, this book, that I always carry all over the place, that you always carry about, some of you have it in devices, iPad, all manner of things. It is what the Bible calls the testimony of Jesus. That is the complete prophecy. If you want to know how to succeed, if you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to know whether God wants you to marry or not, whether God wants you to go out or not, just read the Bible. The more of the testimony of Jesus that you absorb into your spirit, the more prophetically inclined you get. The more discerning and the more understanding of the will of God for your life and for your, for your family you have. The total summation of prophecy and prophetic ministry is the Bible, not the prophets. Alright, anybody seen this? That's why you have to be careful of these prophets who say that they, they, they think that the greatest prophecy they can give is that somebody is going to die. The greatest prophecy they can see is that I see what you are wearing. You are wearing... A green, a green boxer. What is the business of a pastor or a prophet with what somebody is wearing as an underwear? What part of the Bible talks about people talking about what you wear? Yesterday I see, I see somebody ate food last night. What is your business? What I had for lunch or for dinner? <laughs> see, all these are fake prophecy by familiar spirits. You know, you want to prophesy, prophesy, unless unless get this thing done. Don't tell me, okay, I see somebody after you. I see, I see, I see uh, a cat, a green cat after you, a black cat after you. What is your business? You are supposed to tell me 
well, I said something and I took, I took authority and I, and I prayed. Go and pray. Not scare me. So, people do not understand what prophecy means. The king prophecy is when you scare people. When they are afraid. That's when the prophecy is heavy. Three presidents will die in 2019. That's the thing as prophecy. <laughs> Who is dying in family? Who is going to lose their, their head? Who is going to be killed? That's the thing that's prophecy. They can't see that God is raising a new season. God is bringing a new capacity. God is bringing a great future. God is opening doors onto. They don't ever see that. What they see, and I want to warn those of you who think that you want to be prophesying, and the only thing, the only thing you see is somebody is dying, somebody, something, something is walking after somebody, something is walking on somebody's head. Stop it. That's not prophecy. That's familiar spirit. Praise God. Every time God reveals something, even if it's a deadly thing, He also tells you how to overcome it. God never, the Holy Ghost never leaves you hanging and puts fear inside you. We have not received the spirit of fear, but the love of power. And what? Sound mind. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Praise the name of Jesus. So every prophecy you need is in the Bible. Read the Bible and you get a good prophecy for your life. I think, let me give the last one. Jesus came to anoint the most holy. I already spoke about this. I'm not going to talk about it. But let me, for those of you who are writing, this means the Messiah to anoint. It says to anoint the most holy. It's from the way we get the word Messiah or the Messiah, which means to consecrate or to appoint to some special office. It means the consecration or the appointment of our blessed Lord and Christ, the Holy One of Israel, to be prophet, priest, and king of mankind. And I already said a lot about that, that it is in Christ Jesus, who is the priest, the prophet, and the king. Christ Jesus, who is the Messiah. Christ Jesus, who is the, who is the, who is the Messiah. Amen. Yeshua Masiak. The Savior, the anointed Savior, the Christ. Hallelujah. He is the one in whom is resident the prophet, the king, and the priest. And through him, every believer, every Christ follower has a measure. Now, a tiny measure. I didn't say you are prophet, king, altogether. But you have a measure of the prophetic. You have a measure of the kingship. You have a measure of the priesthood. Praise the name of Jesus. And so we are complete in Christ. Lift your hands up and say, Father, thank you for what I have in Christ. Can we just receive this together? Thank you for the anointing to take over the world in Christ. That you have poured out upon us graciously. Can we just thank God for the Holy Spirit? Can we thank God for the forgiveness of sin? Can we thank God for the ministry of Christ to us? Can we thank God for the forgiveness of sin? The most beautiful testimony that you have is that your sins are forgiven. If you really understand how much an hindrance sin is, you would forever give me thankful to God for the forgiveness of sin. So when we say, Lord, thank you for forgiving my sin, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> because, it says sin is a hindrance. It says, not being redeemed <clears throat> cuts you off from the flow of heaven. But once Jesus has come in and he has forgiven your sin, he has finished the transgression, he has borne your iniquity, he has covered you with his righteousness, and you are now forgiven and he has given you the Mashiach anointing, then you can touch everything on earth with victory. You only need to know that and then move forward in faith and enjoy. But if you are still unrighteous, your sins are not forgiven, you are still an unbeliever, you are still in the camp of the devil, you have not been redeemed from the curse of the law, you are still in the camp of Satan, you are still loving sin and loving occultism and loving unrighteousness and still wallowing unrighteousness, you have not received Christ as Lord and Savior, you have a reason to be afraid. 
But if you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, if you have been redeemed from sin, if you have been forgiven your, for, of your sin, if you have received the second Adam, Christ Jesus, then you have every reason to be excited. Because now is your righteousness. Because now he has poured upon you the Messiah, the Christos. So you can be prophet, you can be king, and you can be priest. Authoritatively, you can govern the territory as king. You can decree things like as, as a king. You can wield authority as a believer. And that's a beautiful thing. That's what we have. That's what every pastor, prophet, evangelist, pastor, everybody, that's what we have. What we have is a revelation of our kingship. What we have is a revelation of our priesthood, of our prophetic grace in Christ. Because Christ Jesus is the one who is prophet, king, and priest. And we exalt his name for the outpouring of this grace upon this church. And so we can pray and we can have answers. We can govern territory. We can decree a thing and it shall be established. We can move like, like the spirit of light and like fire through things. Why? Because we have authority, because we have kingship, and because we have anointing of the Messiah. And our sins are forgiven. What a blessing. Father, I thank you tonight for my brethren and myself. The Lord Almighty, there is no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. And I say that to somebody here tonight who feels condemned. I don't know what you came. I don't know what you did. I don't know what the devil has been accusing you of. And whatever it is you need to just confess and say, Jesus, forgive me. Don't let the devil continue to inhibit you and hinder you and, and, and blackmail you. Just open your mouth and confess and say, Jesus, forgive me. And then move away from it. Stop letting the devil accuse you. Get back into righteousness. Enjoy what Jesus already purchased for you. He already finished transgression. He already bore your iniquities. He already purchased righteousness for you. Everlasting righteousness. He already gave you the Messiah. And he already paid the price for your sin. So no more hindrance. No more condemnation. To those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Who have been washed clean by the blood. So Father tonight we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the perfect price you paid. We thank you for the cross of Christ. We thank you, Christ Jesus, for being the high priest and being the one who carry your own blood as a sacrifice before the throne of heaven. And you purchase us redemption. We honor you, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice. And so right now, Father, we make our boast in the Lord that we have been washed, that we have been cleansed, that we have been forgiven, that we have been made righteous by Christ. Come on, church, raise your voice tonight and think and say, Father, thank you, because right now I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I've been made righteous by Christ. No more condemnation no more condemnation and i walk out of this place forgiven i walk out of this place justified i walk out of this place knowing that i'm not just anybody demons are afraid of me angels are jealous of me and heaven is happy with me father i bless you come and bless the lord and say father thank you thank you thank you holy spirit and bless him in the spirit Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We hope you heard the voice of the Lord through the message that you just heard. For further inquiries about other helpful resources and counseling, please visit us at the Capstone Church Without Walls or call 080-2318-2030. You can email helpdesk at thecapstoneonline.com. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you indeed.